Thank you so much for finding us on a Thursday evening. Welcome to Caching in the Northwest. This is the foremost podcast from the birthplace of geocaching in the great Pacific Northwest. Each week, we're going to talk about caches and caches from here and around the globe. So while you're busy trying to remember where you stored the winter coats, we'll be caching in the Northwest. And, you know, we can't do that until we bring in our Nordic monkey. Some say land monkey plus anything equals a cash find. And others say only he can touch MC Hammer. All we know is he's called Land Monkey. Hey, buddy. <laughs> the Nordic Monkey, eh? Is that, <laughs> is that the best you got for tonight? <laughs> we, we bring in the president of geocaching.com and like, ah, I don't know. I just We're just going to throw the towel in on, on the end. I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, Brian, thank you very much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you being on the podcast. My pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. So there you go. The, the, the secret's out. Because there's a really poorly kept secret. Brian Roth's joining us tonight. We're really excited to talk. Uh, We're going to talk about the business of geocaching and what it's like to work at and lead uh, an amazing group of people at geocaching.com. So we're really excited for this conversation with you, sir. I'm excited too. Happy to to tell you guys all about it. Nice. Well, but before we do that, I want to throw out a quick reminder that we do appreciate the support of our patrons who help to keep this very podcast coming each and every week. If you want to know more about supporting the show, go over there, click the Patreon link on the cachingnw.com website. And each and every week, we like to uh, focus on a great geocaching log. We call it the geocaching log of the week or the glow. Whether you wrote it or whether you read it, we want to hear about it because great logs simply make geocaching better. Send an email to feedback at cachingnw.com. Always, you can call in 253-693-TFTC or use the voicemail tool on the website and show us how you glow. How I glow? Yes, how you glow. Oh, I, I glow in the morning, I'll tell you. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to know. I worked at hand for, for a little bit. I glow all the time. There you go. You just, you just have this glow about you, yeah. Chris. A little radioactive. Great geocaching. Oh, you, you were breaking up there. Give it, okay. give it another go. I said, uh, hopefully my Wi-Fi is doing all right. But um, I just read a great geocache log yesterday from a woman who's visited Geocaching HQ. Her username is GeoGrins. And Yesterday was her 5,000th cash find, um, ironically enough, on the eighth anniversary of her first cash find. Oh, cool. And this is somebody for whom the game has had such a, a positive impact, both for her and her daughter. She's gone from sort of not leaving the United States in her entire life to traveling with her daughter, I think, to 17 countries. And she just wrote a really nice log. Uh, on a special cash page. I want to say it was in California, but I'm not exactly sure. And she had sent it to me and Sven, who also works at, at Groundspeak, just to say, hey, I wanted you guys to see this. This is uh, another milestone for me and you know, just an, another opportunity to say thank you. And, and I was, I've always been super impressed by her and her story, but yesterday was a milestone. So if you're listening, Geogrin, shout out to you. Congrats on your 5,000th. I really enjoyed the log. Nice. nice. Now, I'm going to have to go look that up and see if I can find it. We'll add it to our list of glows. 
Sounds so, great. Sounds now, like a, it would be a great story upvote if if that was just allowed in the states. Uh, well, yeah, we're we're testing it. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I'd personally love to see it get to the states, but we'll see what the community thinks before we go adding anything, you know, globally. Uh, we love it in Canada. I'll tell you that much. Right on. And I think the the Nor- Norwegians enjoyed it as well. Mm-hmm. Although I mean, most of them, you know, I think uh, as with anything, we got uh, feedback and. A lot of people were like, "Hey, we really love this. This is this is a great new feature." And other people were like, "A you know, a zero on a scale of one to ten in terms of enjoying it and let us have it." And how dare you even consider such a thing? But we'll we'll parse that and and figure out the right path. But going from Norway and then going out to Canada, I think, is a nice second step. Absolutely. All right. Chris, did you, do you want me to take a swing at the glow this week? Do you want to? Uh, no, I'm happy to do it. You're going to, all right. You're going to cold read it yourself? Yes. Well, this one comes from another Chris or Rock Chalk, who happens to be in the chat with us this evening. So he can tell us if this is really true or it's completely made up. Uh, Rock Chalk was looking for, she'll be coming. That's GC1D8. Uh, do you ever, do I ever wish I'd attempted the Round Mountain caches prior to this year? There's a washout on the road nearly four miles from the Round Mountain Trailhead. So this expedition required a lot more effort than it would have before 2018. But I still needed to find she'll be coming for the Washington History Challenge. So what could I do but pile up a bunch of steps today? It's a it's possible to squeeze past the washout. You can see the photos in uh, his log at the trailhead. But I didn't want to chance it. Being by myself, the last thing I needed to do was get stuck. Though I should point out that I had two to three bars of LTE for nearly in the entire hike, so that was a nice surprise. Still, I didn't want to have to use that cell coverage to call AAA for a tow. I parked at the road, closure sign, uh, and began the long, winding walk to the trailhead. Picnic table and toilet pit nearby. Uh, I continued up the summit, finding the caches along the way, and before finally arriving uh, for the main target for the day. The bugs hadn't been too bad for the duration of the walk, but they came out in force as I approached ground zero for this cache. I had applied repellent, which I think helped, but there were still quite a nuisance. Having signed the log, I turned around and returned the way I came, totaling 12.41 miles on the odometer, and... 3,459 feet of total ascent. Definitely a much longer trip than it would have been for previous finders. In retrospect, a bike would have made the journey a bit more reasonable. Certainly, I uh, would have would have been a slog on the way up, but coasting back down would have been nice. Also, I wondered the whole time whether I should try to make it past the washout with my CRV. It looks doable, but I'm glass. I'm, I'm guess I'm glad I didn't risk it. So there you have it. Awesome. You know, so I've done that. I've done that cash. Have you done that one, Chris? Uh, I have not. Ryan, have you done that one? The she'll be coming. That's near Leavenworth. Uh, not yet. All right. Uh, we're a little choppy with you there, Brian. So we, we picked up not yet. That's what we got there from you. So oh, yeah, not, not yet is correct. 
I just uh, I just texted Heidi and asked her to tell the kids to get off the electronics <laughs> just for once. Um, normally, we've got good bandwidth. If it, if it really continues to be choppy, uh, I'll just pick up my laptop and move somewhere else in the house. <laughs> okay, so it's not too bad. Once you start talking, it, it picks in. It so picks it up. might it might even be a Google thing. But anyhow, um, could be Google. Could be the kids on Netflix. The buffering. So I have done that one. It's it's a great hike. One my favorite story on that cache is that's the one we were hiking up in the summertime, and and it was before the trail was washed out. So we were or before the road was washed out. So we were able to drive up to the trailhead. We we're getting close to the the cache location, and we start hearing this weird grunting noise on the trail behind us, and we're thinking bear. Oh oh man, that's not good. So we kind of start making lots of noise and it's early in the morning. So we're making lots of noise and yelling and Hey bear, what are you doing? You know, it's shaking everything, making lots of noise. This dude comes around the corner. He says, sorry, I had something in my throat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm glad it was that and not a bear. (laughs) Wow. Um, but he seriously sounded like a bear. It was like the weirdest noises I've ever heard somebody make with something in their throat. But there you go. But it's, awesome. pretty, it's pretty scary to see a bear when you're out geocaching. I've, I've been in a situation with uh, one of the French reviewers. Uh, his name's Nick. And we went to do the ape cache in the winter. And we got to the ape cache. This was a few years ago. And the tunnel was closed because it was winter. And on the way back to the trail, we saw a bear. And so we went back by the cache and hung out for a little while and then sort of head back towards the trail and made a lot of noise. But all I was thinking was, I really don't want to die today. I don't want to (laughs) die geocaching. I certainly don't want a bear to to be the cause of it. And on the way back, uh, there was an old railroad tie on the ground. And I picked it up figuring, all right, it's a, it's a rudimentary weapon, if, if, if anything. And Nick suggested to me that if, the, if it was a bear and we were in trouble, that all I needed to do was, was stab him with the railroad tie. <laughs> Which, anyway, not that we would do that, but it was a, it was, it was a funny moment. But, but still, I was scared. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't want to turn the corner and run into a, uh, an upset mama bear, for example. You, you didn't want the ape cache to be renamed the Brian Roth Memorial Geocache? That's... In, indeed. And although it would be quite the honor, it's not exactly what I'm going for. Yeah. There you go. Oh, I should tell a bear story in the after show. There we go. Yeah. It, it's so, not geocaching related. It was before geocaching. Oh, oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll get that in the after show. Um, we did have a question, Brian, for you from a fellow who sent the glow in, uh, Chris Ronan. You may know him. Yeah, I think I know him. He beats <laughs> me in ping pong every chance he gets. Uh, well, that may affect the answer to his question. But he said, I'd like to ask Brian if I can come to work late tomorrow since I'm staying up late to watch his interview. See, the funny thing is Chris is a professional and he knows he doesn't have to ask permission to do anything. <laughs> there you go so chris come in whatever time you want there you go good stuff brian will be watching but come in whatever time you want i'm I'm paying attention oh yeah (laughs) oh let's see three hams asked i posted a selfie on facebook from uh gcf 
of myself with Brian and vlogger Joshua. My mom asked if I'd been invited to go caching with them as I cache so much. Um, no, mom, that's just how it works. <laughs> it's just not how it works. Yeah. Well, let me know anytime. I'm happy to go out. Oh, well. Yeah, why not? Okay. Sounds like fun. There you go. We got an event in Victoria we'll talk to you about later. <laughs> when, when is it? Next weekend. Next Ooh. Sunday. That Eight days. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll we'll segue into the questions we have for you tonight. We are pleased to be able to chat with Brian Roth on geocaching.com about the business of geocaching. But before we get into uh, some of these great questions we've put together. Brian, how is your week going? My week is going well. It, yeah, it's going well. It's uh, We have our holiday party for the company tomorrow night. Uh, so that's really exciting. It's it's always a, a time sort of end of year to reflect on the year and and just think about really how fortunate we are to get to work as a team doing the the work that we do helping to serve the community um so it's that that's always you know it's a fun time to reflect but this week in particular we had a new director of product start um and i know everybody at the company is very excited about having her join us um and then all day today was interesting today and tomorrow i have a continuing legal education seminar um, in order to be a licensed attorney, I have to get a certain amount of credits every three years, my reporting years this year. And so I have a, a two-day seminar that'll get me about 12 of the 48 required credits. So what was interesting was rather than go to the physical seminar downtown, I decided I was going to do a webinar from the office. Um, I set up my laptop, tuned in, and I had the treadmill. So I have a treadmill desk that I that I aspire to walk on more than I do. And today I said, all I have to do is, is stare at this computer screen and, and pay attention. So I turned the treadmill on and the rough stats for today, and this is a record for me personally, at least with this treadmill at my desk. Today at my desk, I walked 11.4 miles, over 30,000 steps, burned 1,004 calories, and the total walking time, I want to say, was five hours and 47 minutes. So I realized that doesn't exactly involve the business of geocaching, but that was my day. And so um, it, was an, it makes for an unusual end to the week. I think, I think tomorrow I'm probably going to sit at home on my couch and watch it on my laptop because I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to walk. But it, but it was worth it. <laughs> That's cool. Sounds like sounds like a great week. Sounds like a great day. It sounds like you got a really fun evening coming up tomorrow. So, yeah, it's gonna, it's going to be great. It's a, it's one of my favorite nights of the year, just to get to celebrate. You know, I think if you like the company that you work with, um, then the holiday party is always fun. I've had the the good fortune, certainly through Groundspeak, of having some really fun holiday parties, and even at previous companies, I I don't recall a bad one. I think that everybody's got the you hear the stories of the bad holiday parties or something that, that goes awry. Uh, thankfully, I don't really, I don't, I don't have too many of those stories to, to that. I remember, I guess that's saying something in itself, but it's not exactly what I meant to say. <laughs> We're looking forward to a fun night tomorrow night. Can't wait to celebrate with the lackeys. It'll be fun. Well, speaking of the lackeys and, 
geocaching.com in general, you guys have won a gold award in entertainment from the Tech Impact Awards. I mean, that's amazing. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, Seattle Business Magazine has something called the Tech Impact Awards, where essentially they recognize Seattle companies in a, in a variety of different categories, um, recognize that, that these Seattle companies are having a global impact. And this year, we got selected um, in the entertainment category for the Gold Award. And yeah, it was really nice. There was a, a, a dinner that took place at the, I think it's called Mopop now, but the Paul Allen Experience Music Project. Um, there were a lot of different business leaders there, and, and it was a nice night out. We had, a, I, I want to say there were eight to ten lackeys who showed up. Jeremy was there as well. Carly was there, and, and Linda and some other folks from the marketing team. And we got to have a nice dinner. We got to see some of the other companies get recognized. Uh, one of them that stands out is Code.org. So they had one of the founders of Code.org, and they're getting you know kids all over the world coding, which is really amazing. And we got to, once they called our names, we got to get up and give a little speech, which was really fun. And uh, I guess for what it's worth, we, we talked about geocaching, of course, for the people who didn't necessarily know. And I, I kind of gave a synopsis of what the game is and went through some statistics about the number of events and CIDOs and um, just logs and how that represents, you know, an individual or a family or a couple's experience outside. And then one of the things important that we did was we said to everybody in the audience, essentially for what it's worth, when it comes to this impact, as a company, we can't take credit ourselves. This is not just us creating this impact. And in fact, um, this takes the community volunteer reviewers and translators. It takes the cash hiders. It takes the people that are hosting events. It really, so, so when we accepted the award, it was important for us to accept it on behalf of the community because the impact from this game doesn't just come from geocaching headquarters. We know it you know, geocachers know it. And I think it was nice for everybody in the audience to actually get to hear it. That's really cool. That's, that sounds really exciting. Um, I'm curious to hear what from you, what the response back at the office was um, regarding receiving that, that award. So how did that impact the rest of the team at geocaching.com? And, and has that changed anything for the team since that award was recognized? It's, it's funny. Um, I guess the, the short answer is that it had almost no impact. Okay. And, 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 you know, for those of us who were there, it was a really fun evening and it's nice to be recognized. Um, it's local recognition, but when we come back to the office, it's, there are certain things we'll celebrate. We'll celebrate, um, the release of, you know, the new version of the mobile application. When we change some functionality that we think is you know, a, a new kind of gift to the community, or if there's new functionality being released on the website, or if we're, you know, solving some problem that was challenging to solve. Those are really the things we celebrate. Getting recognition like that, honestly, it's nice, but it doesn't affect what we do. We, we sort of, I think we put the trophy up in the Signal Cafe and um, 
funny enough, I couldn't tell you where it is right now. And and not to diminish the the nature of the award, but it's sort of like, hey, let's get back to doing what it is that we do. And how much time do we really want to take to celebrate? You know, it's like, all right, great. We got this. Cool. Everybody share the joy for a moment and let's get let's get back to to having an impact, which I think is is really the important aspect of it. Very cool. Yeah. And I, I like that the team seems sounds like they're really grounded, that it's great. Thank you. Um, but we we're already on a trajectory here. We're going to keep going with that. This is what I'm hearing from you. It's- yeah, I think, you know, for for the people that work at geocaching headquarters, there's not a lot of sort of seeking of glory. You know, we're not doing this to be famous. We're not doing this to to get recognized so much. I think that people really take the fact that we're getting pe- we're making people's lives more fun around the world. I think we take that seriously and and so if that's the most important thing, it it creates a really good work environment because you're not looking for oh who needs the pat on the back. Um, you know, even as a company, do we really need the pat on the back? Not so much from the business community. We we want our customers, we want the the geocaching community to appreciate the work we're doing. That's what really counts. So it's nice to get those awards. I mean, even the Outside Magazine's Best Place to Work Award. It's been eight years. We're we're really pleased with that because it it reflects upon the office environment and the culture. And I I know we'll we'll we can talk about that a little bit later, but it's it's really about what it is that we're working on and and trying to have an impact as a company. I I I appreciate hearing those conversations as often as I do around headquarters. Very very cool. I I'm curious. So you've talked about the the response within geocaching.com of and it, not only the the tech impact award, but as you said, uh, Outside Magazine for what is it eight years in a row has recognized geocaching.com as one of the best places to work, which is fantastic. Um, does it, all that kind of recognition you guys have been getting over the last several years does that open any new doors for geocaching.com as not only as a business, but also, of course, the hobby and all that kind of stuff. Definitely, I think on a number of fronts. So, first of all, any exposure potentially, you know, had had it all the the people in the audience find out about the game of geocaching. For some people, it was a magazine article they read or a cache that they randomly stumbled upon. Uh, some people, it was a a news piece on vision or something similar. And so, for every every bit of acknowledgement that we get as a company, that's another opportunity for people to hear about the game. Um, It's also an opportunity for them to hear about the company, of course. And I think that from a recruiting standpoint, sure, we would love to have smart, talented people who are interested in in doing the kind of work that we're doing, uh, hear about us and potentially check out the jobs and send in a resume and say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in hearing more. So from that standpoint, those that award and and those awards and that recognition is really, really fantastic. And I think from a business perspective, it helps as well for potential partnerships and promotions or travel and tourism programs. You know, maybe there's a, a destination that that hears about it and says, 
you know, we'd love to bring geocachers to our town. Like, what could they possibly do? You know, what can we do together? And it's like, oh, let us tell you about geo tours or let us tell you about the, the DuckTales promotion that we did a, a bunch of months ago and maybe put together something that, particularly when it comes from a, from a business standpoint, we always talk about win-win wins. And I think I've mentioned this with, with you guys before, but it's how do we, how do we put together um, partnerships or relationships or projects or promotions that create a win for the community um, some sort of tangible ROI for our partner and win for the company. And the win for the company can come in many forms. Sometimes it's revenue. Sometimes it's, um, you know, generating, again, generating awareness. Sometimes it's a combination of the two. But if we can do that where the community is getting something that that resonates positively with them and then whoever, whatever company this is or whatever destination this is sort of gets access to essentially market their destination or market their products to the geocaching community in a way that is not offensive or not sort of taking advantage of the community, but almost like giving them a fun aspect of the game that's that's additive. Um, those kind of things are always what we're looking for. And so when these when these awards come out, again, I think it's another opportunity for individuals to hear about us, but also for businesses to hear about us. So very true. Win, win, win. Win, win, win. Yeah. Now it's, it's in our, uh, business development. We have, we have two divisions. So we have travel and tourism division and we have a partnerships and promotions division. And for the business development team at, at large, um, our working agreement, the, the mission statement is basically, I can't say it verbatim, but it's essentially that we work to create win-win-win relationships, and then we kind of describe what that means, which is essentially what I just did. What a great idea to put that right into the the mission statement for that group. I like that. Yeah, love it. Now, Seattle, and by extension, the Northwest is one of the more competitive environments to attract and retain talent, especially in the tech area. Uh, when you're seeking new team members or new lackeys to join geocaching.com, what are the qualities you're looking for uh, in the forefront uh, with these people? There's really a lot of qualities that we're looking for. Um, I think first and foremost, subject matter expertise in whatever discipline they're they're in. So if they're applying for an HR position or a marketing position or a mobile engineering position or product, we want them to have experience doing that, unless it's an entry-level position. Um, But for the most part, we want people who know what they're doing. We want people who have an appreciation for the work that we're doing as a company and our our mission. Um, I think I've shared our mission in the past, and, and maybe you've seen it elsewhere, but it's to inspire and enable discovery, exploration, and adventure. So I think it means a lot to every one of the lackeys that works at Geocaching HQ. Um, we want to know that at least it's going to resonate positively with, with these candidates. Um, an understanding of the game, um, an appreciation for the worldwide community. I think those are really important. Um, self-starter. You know, one of the things of, about HQ is there's not a lot of micromanagement that goes on. You know, we don't really have time for that because everybody, all of the managers are working managers. We we all work and we're all, you know, aside from 
I guess I would say there's no middle management. Everybody is working. So there's really not a lot of time to, um, to not be productive in, in a way, because there's just much to do in it, and there's so many opportunities that we want to get after. So you have to be a self-starter. You have to be self-motivated. And I think a lot of the motivation can come from the mission and the appreciation for the community. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you can't exactly be somebody who needs direction at every turn. Like, hey, what should I do, A or B? What should I do, C or D? You know. And then the next question, it, it has to be more, hey, I understand what it is I'm doing. I understand what, what we're trying to do as a company. Um, for the most part, I'm going to be able to get after that. And I'm going to be able to figure it out. And certainly if I need help, there's a, there's a group of people around me who are happy to provide guidance, but micromanagement isn't really what we're looking for. Um, I, it's not very effective. No, I, don't th- I, don't, I don't think people like it either. No. I mean, there, there are some people who like it, um, not the kind of people that are at headquarters. There you go. Yeah, In that, my experience, that's what, that's what I would say. When I'm hearing you talk about that, Brian, the the thought that goes through my mind is is a phrase that I've used um, with teams that I lead, and it's come to me with suggestions and recommendations, uh, not problems, and and it helps people take like what they think is a problem and they perceive as a problem, and go, okay, I actually am enabled by my leader to now try and turn this around and come to him and say, I encountered this, I think we should do that. And I think then you can, then you're in a position where you can provide some guidance, right? As opposed to dictating steps. Right. And particularly when it, when it pertains to another discipline, Hey, you're the expert. I'm not the expert, you know, and, and this is your day-to-day job. So the, the first question, and, and I think it's a, it, it's a good question always. And it's, especially when you're working with other people and they come to you with a problem, it's, what do you think? What do you think we should do? And, and 90, 95% of the time, people have a pretty good idea of what you should do. And I think by, by you know, we're allowed to make mistakes. It, it, we're allowed to get things wrong. And so more often than not, I think what we want to show everybody who works at HQ is, hey, we trust you to make the right decision. Unless, it's, you know, if it sounds really outlandish, I'm going to say, hey, that sounds out really outlandish. Maybe consider this. But otherwise, if it sounds like a reasonable approach, absent some other idea, okay, give it a shot, make it work, see you know, see what you can do, and and I think that that's that's the kind of empowerment that that you're talking about. Empowerment, yeah, absolutely. So that's really neat. It's it's interesting. So we're talking about recruiting, and and Brian, one of my favorite things to learn from leaders in the industry is. What is to you the most important question you can ask a potential new lackey during the interview process? So like if there was only one question that you really want to get an answer out of the interview process for, what would that be? So, so there's really, there are two threshold questions and I hate to, I hate to give you a second one, but I think you'll understand when I say that. So the, the first question, and I'll, I'll ask everybody, unless I already know the answer is, have you geocached before? And the reason that that is such a critical question is not because we're looking for avid geocachers to fit every position, but because at a bare minimum, it's a sign that they're prepared for the interview. 
Got you it. know, if, if you're applying for a job at, at geocaching headquarters and you haven't gone out and found at least one cache, then then we're wasting our time because you you know you you're showing me that essentially um, unless there's a really good excuse for why you why you couldn't and i say there are very few really good excuses for why you can't find one cache so that's a question that that i'll always ask as a threshold question but one of the most important questions for for me that i like to ask is i'll i'll ask people tell me a, what are you passionate about mm. what is it you're passionate about and help me understand why and let people talk for a minute about something that they're passionate about or five minutes or 10 minutes. And I think you really get a feel for the type of person that you're sitting across from, whether it's a in-person interview or a Skype interview or something like that. So that's, that's really my question. But if they haven't geocached, it almost doesn't matter to me. And it, it, maybe I'm being a little unfair, but I don't know. It's, it, I think it's a preparedness question more than it is a, um, a passion about the game question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, if if you went to to go work at, I don't know, uh, probably not a great example, but if you went to apply for a job at Google, and said, <laughs> you asked them a question like, like, have you used Google before? And like, ah, I don't know. I'm no, kind I, of, I really am stuck on being and being's right? all I'm going to use. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I get where you're coming from with that, Brian. With the threshold question, it makes total sense. Yep. So that's that. Those are my questions. Cool. Thank you. Chris, do you want to go for the next one? Yeah. Uh, What is it about working for geocaching.com that attracts potential lackeys to want to join and then keeps them engaged and energized to stay on? There's a few things. Um, The mission as a company, I think the ability that we have to have an impact on people's lives on a global scale is something that appeals to a lot of people, and not everybody, but it appeals to a lot of people. Um, I think as a company, I think we take really good care of our employees. Um, we have a really nice office environment that we've invested in, in a, in a really nice location and you know, direct proximity to the Burke-Gilman Trail. So if you want to go out at lunch and ride a bike for you know, 60 miles in one direction, you can do that because it's such a nice trail. Um, really the benefits and the perks, certainly, um, the people really, uh, you guys have, have met a bunch of the lackeys and, you know, over time and we are surrounded by really good people, smart, um, driven, uh, caring, passionate, you name it, um, effective. Um, so I think when you're looking for a work environment and you could go somewhere where the work that you're doing is meaningful um, and you're well taken care of and you're surrounded by good people who are sort of doing the same thing. I think that that's really appealing and it doesn't appeal to everybody. You know, there's, there's folks out there who are saying, you know, I want to join a company who's going to have an IPO in six months so I can cash out and go sit mimosas on the beach. And that's not us. You know, we're a bootstrap company. We've been bootstrapped for 18 years now um, we're not looking for outside investment or to be bought or to go do anything crazy like an IPO. Like, no way. What we're do- what we're looking to do is keep doing what we're doing and and ideally do it better year after year. Build a better platform, build better tools to give to this community so that the the community can create 
incredible experiences and share them with other people who can go out and have fun. And if we do that, that's the best kind of success. And so that's, that's, that's our kind of success. So when, when people join the company, um, my sense is that they're joining it for those reasons and hopefully they, they appreciate it and, and get as much out of it as I do and stay on. You know, we have a lot of, a lot of longstanding employees at, at HQ and it's in, in a way it's like a family and it's fun to see some of the new folks. We had, uh, as I said, a new director of products start on Tuesday and we had a new, I want to say a UX designer also start on Tuesday. And it's, it's exciting to see them sort of come in and participate. And we have an intensive onboarding program where they're taught all about geocaching and the community. And we take them out caching with GPS devices and with mobile phones. And we really try and spend, I want to say it's a two-week program where they meet all the different teams and they have all these interactive experiences to get to understand, <clears throat> excuse me, the, what it is that we're trying to do and how we do it. And, and to see the excitement on their faces in their first few days. And I always, anytime I see them, I'll say, are you having fun? Are you enjoying yourself? You know, it's day three. You having a good time yet? And, and invariably they're like, I can't believe how cool this is. Like, I want to do more. And it's like, great. Let's talk about work-life balance. You got to go home. You got to spend time with your family. You have to do other stuff aside from working. And that's important also. And so as a company, let's have a good work-life balance. Let's get after our mission. Let's, let's do well on behalf of this community that, that we're serving. And at the same time, if we can make a living doing that, that's, that's as good as it gets. Brian, I, I've got another question for you. And we're, we're starting, clearly, we're starting to go into culture here and what we're talking about. Um, but before I get to that question, I want to I want to echo back to you a little bit of what I just heard from you. And it sounds a little bit like the answer to Chris's question about how do you re- attract and retain people is kind of a snowball effect because you started with building this culture based on these really sound principles. Well, and maybe, as you say, maybe to others, those aren't sound principles, but they're principles that are important to, to you and Jeremy and, and everybody who started there and the, the small group that started this. And you've continued to add people in that. Do you feel that it kind of snowballs that the more people you add in, the bigger the culture gets, the deeper it ingrains? Yes, absolutely. The, the deeper it ingrains, but also it's, uh, so Jeremy, Elias, and I, we worked at other companies together before starting this. And, you know, I'm, I feel very fortunate that they, they share similar ideals to me, you know, in, in treating people well and, and treating people with respect and taking care of the people that, that we get to work with and creating a positive work environment and, you know, trying to make the right decisions for the benefit of the, the global community. So what I would like to say is like the, the culture that you see today wasn't some grand design. It wasn't like we sat down with pen and paper and said, this is what we want to create. The the culture that you see today is the product of 10,000 individual decisions made with a certain set of values. And what's interesting is the the original decisions, sure, were made by us as, as a group of three. But you're right, as we've added people, they have sort of picked up the the baton and 
helped to make those decisions and they've brought, you know, they, they've helped to fine tune the values. And so what you see here is values from different people throughout the company and throughout the community that have kind of been brought together. And, and I'd like to think that we kept the good ones and tried to dispense with the bad ones. And so you, what, what we see now is, you're right, this self-perpetuating culture where the, the, everybody is protective of it. They, they know how special it is. And so we, we talk a lot. Um, Jennifer Arterburn is our uh, vice president of business and legal affairs. She's like our primary attorney. Uh, she's been with us now for seven and a half, almost, almost eight years. It's, it's been a while. And <clears throat> Jennifer came from a law practice, uh, super smart. One of the things that, that we always say when we have employment-related decisions, uh, we talk about what is the human thing to do, not what is the, the money-driven or the business-driven. It's what's the human thing. And as long as we, that always has to be a consideration in the decision-making, and if we, if we do that, I think we end up with, by and large, what we, what we have now. And who knows what the next decisions will be as we go forward. But I think as long as we bring the right values and the right perspective to it, we've got a pretty good chance of making the right decisions and helping to perpetuate this culture further. What is the human thing? I, I like that. That's, it seems, it just feels like it echoes what I've experienced in interacting with the lackeys uh, at events uh, when I've had the pleasure of visiting HQ. Um, definitely just a real personable feel. And that, that segues us, I think, really nicely into my, my next question for you, Brian, if you don't mind. Don't mind at all. Awesome. So you're in the tech industry. I mean, you're, you're in the game industry, you're in the tech industry. It's a tech game. Um, technology is all about change. And we know how people tend to respond to change. I mean, we've seen the history of the game and such. But there's a lot of change, obviously, as you guys grow, as you try new things. There's a lot of change internal to the team at HQ, to the lackeys. How do you guys manage the response to change within your teams at HQ? Change within each team from a technological perspective? Um, well, the, the human side. So, you know, we were talking about what, you know, what's the human thing to do? How do you, how do you guys manage the, the impact of changes to the business as you guys grow, as you try new areas of the business? It's all going to have an impact on the people. Absolutely. I think for from a starting point, we have some principles like make better mistakes tomorrow. Um, that's one of them. We have a, an innovation objective where we say to everybody, regardless of what your position is or what your job is, consider ways that you can innovate in your role. Um, so I think we're we're constantly challenging ourselves to to adapt to uh, changes internally and externally. So you know, from a personnel standpoint, I think some of the harder things to adapt to is when you have people leave. You know, if you have somebody go to another company or move out of state and say, hey, you know, I have to, you know, I'm, I'm hanging up my lackey wings or whatever you want to call it. Um, that's hard because, as I said, you know, we've got this culture and it, in a way, it feels like a family. And so, especially in the early years when it was five of us or 10 of us or even 15 of us, if one person would leave, it's like, wow, that's a significant percent of our organization of the people that we know. Um, 
it still feels that impact when when folks leave and and so oftentimes there's uh I think you go through the range of emotions when when your friends move on for whatever reason, whether they're there for six months or whether they're there for 15 years. You know, it's like, okay, we want to wish them well, but we know that that this place won't be exactly the same next time. And so that's the hard aspect aspect of it. Uh, One of the positive aspects of of it is that, all right, who's walking through the door next? What kind of change is that going to bring about? How are we going to adapt to that? One of the things that I really love, and I I see it at geocaching headquarters, but I, I it springs from the community. And, and here's what I'll describe is, when we get a new person who comes to join us at Geocaching HQ, they are truly welcome with open arms. And I think that that's very similar to what we see in the, out, in, out in the world of geocaching. You know, if there's a new player who shows up at the event, they are welcome with open arms and people want to talk to them and they want to share the game with them and they want to they want to tell them what they like and give them tips and tricks. And it's very similar to what happens internally at HQ. And I think that, you know, I'm not sure what what came first. Maybe they maybe it sort of developed from the same kind of geocaching ethos, but but that's something that I think helps us adapt to that kind of change because people are genuinely excited to see, okay, we have all, you know, we have gone through the interview process. This is the person that we chose to join this company. You know, they're arriving in a, in a way that's already set up for success because, because we want them to succeed. It's important for them to succeed. So they are welcome. They are supported just like a geocacher attending their first geocaching event. Nice. Now, moving on, we've got all these people. You've got about 250 workdays in a year. If you were able to pull one of your most memorable moments from the office this year, what would it be for you? Memorable moments from the office. I th- I think one of my favorite moments this year was was recently attending the GIF the GIF Film Festival. I really do. It's something that um I really love to see it. For for me like one of the things that I'm really passionate about when it comes to this game is the people and watching the, the interactions and the way people play around the world. And so to sit down and see films from geocachers from all over the world sharing their stories or sharing their, their humor or their way of playing or, or even their thoughts on, on what the game means to them, it's so powerful. And, and it's funny because I actually have a few videos from years past that every so often I will go back and I will watch them just to remind myself how of how important the work that that we all do as a community how important it is. So this year, um, I thought GIF was fantastic. The quality of the films was really good. Um, just the fact that as a community there were six hundred and fifty something events, six hundred plus events all over the world with people sharing these stories of geocaching that 
that for me is a, is about as powerful as it gets. And and it's funny because we talk about story worthy moments at at headquarters. Um, it, it's part of the it's part of what we're trying to accomplish is is helping people to create story worthy moments for themselves. Um, so so when we get to share them and we get to to witness them in that type of format. I think it's really powerful, not just for us, but for everybody. And it, I think it helps to bring us all together as a community and make us feel like, wow, we are, you know, just despite the, the distance and cultural differences um, as people, we're really so, so similar. Um, so for me, I think this year's GIF, absolute highlight, no, hands down. Well, there was also this charming FaceTime guy in one of the videos. <laughs> yeah. I got a cameo this year. That was, that was a real treat. You know, the, uh, those guys are super cool. Uh, Benny, uh, Goren Um, I've known him now for years. I, I did an interview with him and his wife many years ago in, in Mainz, Germany and Bernard Hooker. He's, he's the famous comedian in Germany who uh, I would say deserves a lot of credit for the popularity of geocaching in Germany. Um, and so when I got the call from Benny and he said, Hey, is, you know, would you consider, you know, doing a cameo? I said, yeah, you know, it was kind of nice to be asked. I said, uh, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. And then to, uh, you know, the lackeys who got to review the films knew, but here I was sitting in a theater kind of in the back, you know, waiting for that film to come on. And when it came on and, and everybody laughed, yeah, it, it felt great. It was, it was really a lot of fun. It was, it was a special moment, that's for sure. Yeah, you didn't have a lot of lines in that part, but uh, but your position was pretty clear. So. Yeah, no, no dialogue. Well, it's <laughs> it's funny. I'll, I'll tell you a little behind the scenes story. You ready? So he had originally, you know, I said, okay, let me know what you want me to do. And the first time he sent it to me, he said, okay, you know, here's the story. I'm trying to place a cache. There's proximity issues. So what I'd really love for you to do is. He, he wants to call me and have me say, sure, I'll help you. And like, almost like push down a plunger and then blow up all of the caches. <laughs> and I said, you know, blowing up caches and sort of bombs and any sort of violence. I'm like, I, I, I it just doesn't feel right. Like I can't do that. What else do you have? <laughs> and so he came back the next time and he's like, <clears throat> He's like, what if aliens kind of zap caches, but, but you can say no, you know, you just have to shake your head on the phone. I was like, done, Send, let me know what you want. And I, I did a few of those clips and most of them were awful, but the last one I was like, okay, this, this will do. So that's, that's the behind the scenes of that, uh, making of that, that fun film. That's, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that little tidbit. Um, what, one of the questions we actually have from live from the chat for you, Brian, uh, Udak in the chat is asking using hashtag ask Brian, um, uh, since we're, <laughs> since we're talking about Gajif videos, the question is aside from the Gajif videos, why is GC.com no longer putting out new or regular YouTube videos? Mm. So we used to have a video offer on staff. <clears throat> Her name was Reed and she's extremely talented. Um, re I mean, some of those old videos are, are really, really wonderful. One of the challenges that we had was it took a lot of effort to produce that kind of content. And really, if you look at 
the views on that content. It just, just, despite us putting it out there and putting it in emailers, people just weren't watching it nearly as much as we would have liked them to. And so it, it wasn't really a decision where we're like, all right, let's, you know, let's just close it down and get rid of our videographer. Basically, Reed came to us at, at one point and said, hey, I'm looking to do something else as well. And so when she left, we said, all right, should we try and hire somebody else? You know, first of all, she's a really tough act to follow because she's so talented. But we said, all right, given the, the impact and the reach that we're getting with these films, maybe let's try and focus our efforts, resources, and attention on doing other things. So I know that Reed helps out with the, with the GIF, GIF film reel. So she comes back and does a little part-time work. But we really haven't produced a, one of those feature mini films in a long time. But it, it, it's funny because I'll look back. The, the ones that I like the most for what it's worth, I like some of those April Fool's films that we did. There's the uh, Cashers of Steel. If you haven't seen it, go see it. it it's really, I, I thought it was pretty hysterical. And then there was the Journey to the Center of the Earth Cache was a really good one. I don't remember, but there's some good films out there. I, you know, I would never say never, but I don't think we have any plans to get back to full-fledged video production anytime soon. Well, I think it points out, though, again, the culture aspect, right? Like that you guys would get together and you're like, you know what would be fun? Let's do this and put the effort and the time into doing that. You get a group of the people. I, I'm thinking even at Halloween, the blog post where you had a bunch of the different folks from the team dress up. Um, I had I had such a hoot when I saw uh, Ronan's picture come out there as the travel bug. I mean, just everybody having a good time with stuff. And it, it just seems to consistently come out. And I think it really reflects on the culture mm -hmm. that has been built and and is snowballed and that everybody is taking a piece of responsibility in maintaining that culture. Yeah. And, and also, every, I think everybody is looking and saying, hey, this is really great. How can we make it better? Which is the same thing that we're trying to do when we look at the game. I know uh, Chris recently sent out the, the cash quality survey. You know, that's something where it, it's a big step. And, and for everybody out there, like we want to hear from people and tell us, you know, how can we do a better job with cash quality? And I think by getting the um, getting the input from the community, it's it's not just feedback that helps provide direction, but it's also the go ahead. It's saying like, hey, we want you to do this. Make make some changes. Make this make this game better with us. Um, so we're really excited to, to see the results. So for anybody who hears this, please fill out the survey and then uh, and we're going to take a look and we're going to see what we can do to improve upon the game in that way. And then, you know, at the same time, we're always looking at the platform. We're looking at, um, you know, at the website, at the mobile applications, at, at different projects, at different promotions. We're trying to get better. So when it comes to the culture, yeah, you're right. People are looking around and they're saying, wow. Halloween seems to be a thing here. I guess I should dress up. You know, I guess I should put some effort into my costume. So Halloween's a lot of fun at headquarters. Um, another fun one that we do is we call it corporate day uh, because not a very corporate-y work environment because there's no need to be. Um, so once a year we have corporate day. I don't know if it's once a year. I, I think we did it last year and we might have skipped a year, but we've done it quite a few times. And it's 
just an acknowledgement like, hey, we're not a corporate company, but for one day, go dress like we are. And so it's like the opposite of casual Friday. People will wear suits and ties and business dresses and, and pantsuits and all that kind of stuff. And it's people get into it. And it's one of those things where when when you can get dressed up, whether it's for Halloween or for corporate day or, you know, and and just look at each other and and bring out a big smile, like those smiles go a long way. Uh, you know, the friendships go a long way. And I, I, I always, it's a personal belief of mine that if you can truly be friends with the people that you work with, that it's such a powerful tool for problem solving. And it's a powerful tool to get you through when the times are challenging, because you, you care about the people that you work with and you, and you want success, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. And when as a company, we're saying we want success for the company and we want success for the community, it, it creates kind of a winning formula and it, it builds upon itself. You're absolutely right. Very cool. Brian, I, I, I want to point out we're, we're at almost an hour already in this conversation with you. We have lots more stuff we want to get through. We're really enjoying this, but we also want to respect your time. Are, are you good to keep going? Do you... I'm good to go. Let, yep. Okay. My my wife seems to be cool with it. And my dog <laughs> is passed out on the couch. I'm going to show you my dog passed out on the couch. She's right there in that little blanket. Hey, Allie. Up, up. <laughs> there she is. So, yeah, I think we're we're good to go. So I'm I'm happy to answer whatever you want. Cool, man. Thanks. So we'll keep going. So switching gears just a little bit. Um, let me, let me phrase this or give a little background to this question and we'll dig into this one. This is one that I'm personally really curious about. And I think a lot of our listeners will be too. So given that HQ, as we know, is in Seattle, Washington, but the game of geocaching is played globally. How do you guys manage to stay culturally relevant in other countries? And I'm thinking of things outside of the idea of translation services, but how do you keep your finger on the pulse of different cultural impacts and interpretations of gameplay and the expectations that'll have on you, on the, that team, that culture at HQ from other areas of the world? There's really more than a few ways that we do that. Okay. Um, I, I, can, I can go into a couple of them. Or, or the community volunteers around the world. Um, I think that's really a primary source of insight and suggestions and feedback to us because the community volunteers are essentially ambassadors within their local communities. Um, they are letting us know, hey, Groundspeak, you're geocaching HQ, you need to know about this, or this is happening in this area, or people need something from you in this place, or, or there's frustration here that, that needs to be dealt with. Um, so that's, a, that's really a, a the the help that we get and the insight and the feedback from the community volunteers is it's extraordinary and i think that that's one of the most important factors in having us um aware and able to act like an international company despite the fact that we're headquartered here in seattle um another thing that we do is we send lackeys all over the world to mega and giga events um, it's something that we feel is very important um, because we want the community to get to see who we are. And, you know, the goal is to send any lackey that wants to go. 
we want to find an opportunity to send them to to different locations around the world to interact with people. And it's a two-way learning because not only does the community get to learn directly from whichever lackey is there about who we are, what we're trying to accomplish, and kind of ask questions and things, but but the lackeys, and especially lackeys who haven't been around for so long, get to go out and see really the the actual impact you know go to an event in germany or france or the netherlands or sweden or or you name it and see the community out celebrating this game you know go to a mega event these everybody at that mega event is choosing to be there because it's important to them because they care and so for you know, I, I see it all the time when when lackeys come back from events, and this is new lackeys especially, but the the old timers without hesitation, without question, they come back and they say, "I I am reinvigorated. I understand more than ever why this is so important, and and why it is that we're trying to to work hard to do better by these people because they deserve it, and now I've seen it firsthand." So that's a, that's a second way. Um, a third way is we have um, we have a number of international um, speaking folks at at the company. We have some uh, some folks who were born born in Germany. We have um, French speaking. Um, I'm trying to think Spanish, uh, Portuguese. Um, I, th- I think that those are the local languages. But we have a number of um, we have a number of people who are who have been immersed one way or another in these international cultures and they, they keep their finger on the pulse. They're watching the Facebook groups or participating in the Facebook groups or interfacing with local matters um, just to get feedback and insight. Um, I'm trying to think. So another way, I guess there's two other ways that I would mention. I, I kind of touched on a little bit, but active participation in social media. That's one of the ways. So there's a number of Facebook groups that I participate in, and I love to see them talking about it, whether it's the geocachers of West Tennessee or the NYC cachers or some of the other groups out there, just going in and seeing what is everybody talking about? You know, maybe I'll add something to the conversation from time to time. Other times I'll just kind of pay attention and it's not just me doing it the community engagement team is doing it they're on twitter and facebook and instagram engaging actively with the community there are um so there's there's kind of there's a lot of that going on as well and then the final thing i would say is and and it's an interesting one because it has a different kind of importance but but the truth is over the years we've developed real friendships with so many people around the world, people that that I love out there, that I miss when I don't get to see them, and that I look forward to traveling just for the opportunity to spend time with them. Um, it's it's one of the we've been blessed to have have that you know access as a result of the job that we get to do. And so from time to time, I'll get a message from a friend, or I'll get a phone call, or a, a FaceTime call from from a, a good friend of mine in Belgium who I stayed house dinners and they've come out and vacationed with us in the past. And, you know, we'll, we'll get a FaceTime call and he'll say, Hey, Brian, I have to tell you something. 
you know, this is a special story that you should know about, or this is a challenge that's going on. And so through all of those factors, you know, it, it's sort of a, a two-way information flow. And I think, you know, we're, we're not perfect, but, but we do a pretty decent job of, of staying in, in tune with what's happening worldwide, thanks to our efforts, but really thanks to the efforts of, of people throughout the community. That's a lot more than I was expecting when I asked that question, but in a really good way. I, I, I was really curious about it. It was something I just, you know, it's something that had puzzled me of how do you do that from one location? But I really like that two-way street approach that you're talking about, that it's not just the folks at HQ finding different channels to poke out. It's the folks at HQ having open ears and open eyes and, and being receptive to what the community is willing to to bring back to the table as well. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really it's active participation in the community. It's we we say at HQ, we are geocachers. And and in the past, you know, I would say five, 10 years ago, if you would have looked across the company, there were some some really active geocachers and there were some people who didn't really play at all. Um, these days it's changed drastically over the last few years and we've created incentive programs and opportunities for people to learn more about the community and the game um, and engage with the game. And so today we say like we are geocachers. And so by even participating in the game, whether it's domestically or internationally, you know, we gain access to even more insight and, and information. Chris, you want to jump in there? Certainly. There's a question in the chat from you, Dak. Uh, Brian, how do you retain volunteers without compensation? Well, the volunteers are, are they're working for the community. You know, this, this is really a partnership. We don't, they're not our employees. We don't, we don't really get to hire them or fire them. You know, reviewers, for example, are, selected by other reviewers they're nominated by other reviewers and you know they get access to powers that we provide but but in general it's a it's kind of they are members of the community who are giving their time for the benefit of their friends and their family and their neighbors and and community so i guess over time people everybody has to make a choice every single day you know, what do I want to give? Where do I want to spend my time? And and for this group of people, they feel it's important enough to give their time to play a stewardship role of the game in this way. And so sometimes people say, listen, I'm, I, I want to go do something else. I, I'm ready for a break. And, you know, what are we going to say? Oh, no, you have to stay. It's they're, they're, they're truly volunteers. And so re- retaining them, I think the, I think what's important is what they want to see from us is they want to see us doing right by the community, honoring the effort and the time that they're putting in through our effort and time. Um, so I think if we're doing that effectively, well, then I think that resonates positively. And, and there's perhaps more of that intangible incentive for them to continue being involved. If we were a bunch of jerks and we were just trying to like, you know, not, not do right or, or not treat the community well, 
maybe they would all just tell us, you know, to, to pound sand and be like, Hey, we're done, you know, go do this on your own. And then it's, you know, then, then this game would cease to exist and certainly in the form that is it, that it is now. So retaining them, I think it's really a matter of the, the nature of the game and the value of the community um, and the impact that this game has on people's lives is why they're volunteering their time to support it. And so long as that's there, um, whether it's an individual volunteer or the person who wants to step up after them, uh, I think this partnership gets to continue in a, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The word partnership, I think, is really important there. And, and it, it, it feels to me like it keeps rolling back into this, this core culture that, that geocaching HQ has that is caught on by the 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 passionate volunteers the uh, in all the different roles that I know there's reviewers but there's a lot of other volunteers in the community and it it sounds like and you know from all the the volunteers I've ever met everybody kind of has that same as you called it the, the geocaching ethos yeah it's it's an understanding and an appreciation of the community and who we all are together um, and. I think when we look at it as, look, we're all part of one community. This isn't geocaching.com doesn't own this. We don't own geocaching. We don't own the community. We're in this together. And so as a community, it's really powerful what it is that we are doing for one another. Um, And I I think that that's what keeps a lot of people involved. And you're right. we, We talk about the volunteers and there's community volunteers sort of formally when it comes to the reviewers, the forum moderators, and the translators. But look at the people who are putting on mega events and giga events, or even hosting an event in their in the pizza place in their own neighborhood. They are giving their time to give something to this community. The their volunteer efforts are just as important as as the rest of them. So very well said. So very well said. We have another question. This one comes from Keepers of the Cash Flow. Now, another Seattle-based tech company has recently made a, a big splash in the news looking for a second headquarters. Is there a point that uh, HQ feels they need to establish other locations uh, in other countries or in other states? I think it depends. Right now, we're not, we're not actively considering it. We have no, we're looking for another headquarters. Um, I think in part it's because we feel that we're able to be effective internationally based in Seattle, given those many ways that we interact with the community to sort of have the information flowing in both directions. I think if there was a a real reason for us to be in a specific place, um, we would consider it. The challenge is, would we open a second office in the United States? Probably not. You know, I don't think that that makes much sense. But to go and off, open an office internationally, maybe there's some things we can do with that. You know, if there's an international HQ that's more convenient for people to visit, maybe it would make international merchandise shipments a little bit easier. Um, at the same time, that's a pretty complicated process. It's expensive. Um, the the tax implications and the legal implications and the employment uh, implications 
are pretty significant. And so, again, it, it becomes a question of resources. Where right now we're about 80 people in Seattle. How many of those 80 people would have to focus on sorting all of those details out in order for us to open another office? How much money would it take that could otherwise be applied to maybe hiring more engineers or more community engagement people or stuff like that? So those kind of decisions we've talked about in the past and and so far, and at least I think for the for the near future, at least as far as I could see, I think we're doing just fine in Seattle. Um, it's efficient. It feels effective. Um, if it starts to feel less so, then then maybe we'll consider it. Or if there's some compelling reason for us to consider it, yeah, we would probably talk about it. Mm-hmm. Now, this next question, you've answered in part when we were talking about the videos and the videographer read. Uh, what metrics and feedback from your customers are the most helpful in making business decisions about where to take the game next? I think a a lot of the research that we do. So we do a lot of uh, user insight gathering. So we'll have teams that go out domestically and internationally and talk with the customers and show them examples of the, the app and say, do you like it this way or this way? Or just observe them playing and say, oh, it seems like you have a challenge with this. This is something we need to fix. But I think on a broader scale, you look at the cash quality feedback or the community pulse survey or some of those things that that Chris manages, which you know we're going out to the community and we're saying, tell us what you think. We want to know. Help us, you know, as as and it's better by telling us what it is you want, what it is you don't want. And we're going to try and take all of that information in aggregate. And we're going to try and figure out, you know, what's the real message in there or what are the real messages? So, so it's really a, a number of ways of, of actively trying to gather that feedback. Um, the other way, as I did mention before, you're right, is when we send lackeys out into into the community for mega events and giga events and things like that. And just pay attention, listen, have conversations. Um, you know, you guys get to talk to geocachers all the time. Uh, you know, as well as I do that people love to share their stories. They love to tell you what they think about this game. And so keep your ears open. You know, that's, that's what we're trying to do is like, pay attention, listen to what, this community has to say. And if we're truly paying attention, then we'll have a pretty good idea of the kind of things that we need to do next. Chris, why don't you take the the question from Keats there? Do you want to drop that one? Okay. Um, Now, Brian, each company, each industry has some positions that are completely unique to what they do. Could you identify some of the unique job positions at Geocaching HQ? Mm. That that doesn't, you know, I'm sure Delta Airlines has a a position or two that would be different than what Geocaching HQ does because their industries are different. But is there something that you go, oh, you know what? This position is unique. I've never seen anything quite like it outside of geocaching. You you may have stumped me with this oh. one. I, I, I you know I'm I'm thinking through 
the variety of positions that we have. Um, and for the most part, okay, engineers, mobile, web, API, other companies have those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, executive team, finance, legal, HR, certainly other companies have those. Uh, community engagement and marketing and design, sure, you know, travel and tourism is interesting. You know, the geo tours team, it's, you know, I, I'm not so sure that you, I'm sure there's other companies who have similar things, right. partnerships and promotions, you know, even when it comes to the community volunteer support team, yes, having cash reviewers and, and forum moderators and translators cash reviewers is probably really unique. And so maybe the team that supports them, I guess here's, here's one position, I guess, if I have to, if I have to say one, we have a, um, there's, well, there's two, there's a, uh, a, the appeals team. So like Kathy Hornback, who, when there's a, maybe a, a cash owner feels like their cash should have been published and the reviewer said no, or their event should have been published. The reviewer had said no, that goes to appeals. So I dare say we're the only company in the world who has somebody who is reviewing cash appeals and rendering some sort of judgment slash assistance. That's one. The second one would be, we have a, a guest experience coordinator position. So some people would say, oh, you know, who's the person at the front desk? Is that your receptionist? No, no, no. That's not how it works. At headquarters, we have a visitor center where, as you know, we are visited by people from all over the world. And the person that's sitting at the front desk is our guest experiences coordinator, who is really responsible for making sure that our visitors get to see the, get, get the true experience of what it is to visit headquarters get to log the cash, get to take photos, get to see some of the really cool trackables like the International Space Station one, you know, get to see what's on the screens. Um, that, that's another somewhat unique position. Um, so that's what I've got for those two. That's, there's, there's my answer. I, I can't think of another one, quite honestly. Those are pretty good answers. And, and uh, good job, Keats94. You almost stumped the press. That was, that was close. Almost. That was close. <laughs> So, Brian, you knew we were going to have to ask this next question because every podcast you go on, they ask this next question. But we're curious. And the question is, uh, you know, not necessarily asking you to unfold the roadmap, but wh- where do you see the game and the business of geocaching going next? I guess, generally speaking, what I would say is that change is constant all around us. Uh, technology is changing. Um, we know that. Um, as a company, you know, what is it that we do? We, we serve the community. And how do we do that? We serve it by giving the community a platform. The platform allows people to create, share, and play experiences and adventures in the real world, in a nutshell. And so I think what we need to be focused on as a company is how do we look at what it means to create, share, and play experiences? Um, and what can we do with technology to give the creators um, a better tool set? 
um, so that they can create different kinds of experiences, more robust experiences, share them. And then what does it mean for people to be able to play them? Is it how easy can we make it? How intuitive can we make it? How engaging and compelling can we make it? So I think as a company, what you will see us focused on in the near term and, and ideally years to come is how do we serve the community by constantly thinking about the platform that is geocaching.com and the apps and the ecosystem that's supported by the API, the, the Cashleys and the GSACs and the Project GCs and the Cash Tours and all of these applications, this entire geocaching ecosystem. How is it that we can leverage the changes that are taking place in technology and, and beyond the realm of technology to improve that platform so that this community has an even greater benefit um, as, as we all go forward. There you go. Mm -hmm. There's the big vision. That's what it is. That's awesome. Chris, do you want to, uh, I think this is our last question. Okay. Take a deep breath. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) The dog's still okay. Yeah, she's okay. Okay, good. (laughs) <laughs> she's she's been very patient she's been very patient so have you thank you oh it's my listen this I, is my pleasure really. i have I to say this is one of our longest episodes so oh, cool. thank you very much brian for your time it's my my pleasure okay what do you wish that the players of the game most understood about life as a lackey at geocaching.com i i can start off and and one of the things is lackeys are not vending machines of tags they're actual people and you should say, hi, how are you doing? And engage them in conversation. That's, that's fair. (laughs) Um, What I would say, we wish people knew there's, there's probably two things that I would say. Um, The first one is that once a month we have an all company meeting and we start that meeting by essentially reciting the mission every month. And what we'll do is I'll stand up and I'll, I'll greet the lackeys and I'll say, Hey, today is so-and-so day. Welcome to the company meeting. And our mission is to inspire and enable discovery, exploration, and adventure. And that is what we want to achieve. And in doing that, I think that it's a good reminder to to all of us why we're here and what it is that we're doing and it's a it's it's a bit of a mantra but it's it is our mission and everybody knows that and by starting every company meeting with that mission again i think it it helps us put our best foot forward the next thing and it is of equal importance i think what we would want everybody to know is that as individuals and as a company we really care. We really care about the game. We really care about the people. And we really care about what we're trying to do and the impact that we're trying to have as a company and as a community. Um, We make a lot of decisions and things change from time to time. And we know that we cannot please everybody. And regardless of what we do, there's at least somebody out there that's not going to like it. Um, As much as we would love to make everybody happy, it's not exactly realistic, but at the same time, 
we have the best of intentions as a community, and we will continue to do our best um, to try and improve the platform that 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 we that we give to the community every day. There you go. I think there's some great things for people to to bear in mind um, if you're thinking about applying for a role at HQ or, you know, as Chris said, when you're out in the field and you're, you're lucky enough that a lackey happens to show up at the event you're at. Um, I think there's some great things to keep in mind. So thanks for sharing that with us, Brian. My pleasure. Yeah. If you're in an event and you, you see a lackey there, come talk to us, myself, especially come, come say hello. Tell me what you like about the game. Tell me what you don't like. I really do want to know. Fantastic. Well, we're going we're gonna to close the formal part of the show here, Brian. I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, we thank obviously, you guys. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We obviously look forward to the next opportunity to meet in person and, uh, and chat with you. If our listeners wanted to contact you, how would they go about doing that? Hmm. Well, one thing I would say is add me on Facebook. I'm on there. If you're a geocacher and... And as long as you don't have a really scary picture, I normally accept all geocachers. Um, and then, and then, really, like it depends on what you want to contact me for. Um, I've had some occasions where people will contact me on Facebook or even via email, and and sort of almost like requesting some customer service or some assistance with their GPS device. And and the truth is. As much as I would love to have time to do that, I just don't. And so what I would normally do is, is you know, do my best to respectfully refer them to the community engagement team and the help center and things like that. Um, but come to HQ, come visit, you know, let Sarah, um, who's our guest experiences coordinator, let her know that, that you're there. And if I'm, if I'm not in the middle of a meeting, I'll come out and say hello. Um, but otherwise... Add me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram as well. And I post pictures every now and then. It's nothing too special, but that's that's probably the best way we can do it. Very nice. Well, again, thank you so much. And we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We've got more coming up. Now, next week, we are going to talk with the Cashly developer, Nick Hubbard. And then... December 16th, that's a Sunday. We don't normally record on Sunday, but it's a very special live episode from Victoria. We're doing caching in the Northwest. It's Christmas in the Northwest. That's right. We're really excited about that. And we're hoping that if you're listening to this episode, you're going to come out and join us there in Victoria at the Land Sharks HQ. And, uh, you know, Brian, if you got any lackeys, you can send up for that event too. And this is, it's this weekend. This coming next weekend. Ne- next weekend. Right, right. Next weekend. What's the date? December 16th. December 16th. Okay. We'll, uh, I'll put something out on the Slack channel at HQ. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. You're welcome. And, and listeners, stay tuned for more great episodes coming up. Uh, we've got some more folks from HQ joining us December 20th. We've got Jen and Jeff from HQ. They're going to talk about how to create a geo tour. That's going to be so neat. I mean, a lot of us have done geo tours. We've uh, experienced them, but what does it mean on the back end of it? Like if you're thinking about, wow, a geo tour would be great in this community. So we're going to talk about that with Jen and Jeff. I'm really excited about that. And speaking of geo tours, December 27th, 
episode 283. Chris, we're almost at 300 episodes. We're getting to 300. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Um, and that episode is going to be with the Olympic Peninsula Tourism Group. Uh, we're going to talk to them about the existing and, and new Olympic Geo Tour that was, uh, it's been in place for a while and just mm-hmm. got expanded. Mm-hmm. And you've just spent some time there, Land Monkey. Uh, I did, and Mr. Ronan did as well. So we've uh, we've exchanged notes. I think what happens is either he or I does a geo tour first, and then exchanges notes with the other guy. So you know we got a we got a good tag team system going here. <laughs> love it. It's always a race. Who's going to get there first? But that's all right. It's a lot of fun. Love uh, uh, just, and I love cashing with that guy too. He is he's a machine. All right. He's a all right. Well, you know what? I also want to thank uh, our corporate Denali level sponsor. That's Landsharks. Landsharks.ca is the outdoor adventure and geocaching yeah. store. <laughs> there you go. Check them out online. Visit their store in Victoria, BC, and you know, let them know that Brian gave them some applause on the podcast. All right. We Those wanted... guys are awesome. They Chris are and awesome. Helen are the best. They really are. <laughs> there you go. Special shout out. Uh, we want to thank our faithful Denali level supporters. That's Bounce Bounce. Speaking of awesome cash developers, Team Squirrel, Limax, and WorldCaching.com. If you want to know more about supporting the show, click on that Patreon link on the CachingW.com website, and we'll read your name out at the end of the podcast, just like this. Broncos fan for life, Sprouter, Camp Clan, Tick Magnet, Kev MacD, Subway, Mark Dormore, Dune Buddy, Kid Vegas 19, Geo Nav Pros, Wino, Seattle, Acrodoc, Billy Robson, Genies, and Teus Trexer Zero, MC3 Cats, and Kennel Bar. Thank you all. Wow. Land Monkey, take a breath. <laughs> but not too big of one because we want to know where we can find you on the interwebs. You're doing all this stuff. How do we find out about it? I, I'm. I have a problem. I'm addicted to the interwebs. We've noticed. <laughs> we're we're actually looking for uh, a, an opportunity to sit down and and talk with you about it. Maybe December 16th. Hey, that'd be great. We can do something on the internet and okay. talk about my addiction to the internet. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So Twitter, Instagram, Periscope at LandMonkeyGC, uh, Facebook. You can look for LandMonkey or Team LandMonkey, and we were always posting stuff up there. Um, and of course, our YouTube channel, where we are doing our geocaching adventures around the world. Uh, we're just working on the last episode from our Baltic tour. So that's um, Riga, Latvia. Um, I'm putting a little extra time into the editing and development of that episode. So it's taking a little longer to get out, but it's on its way, folks. So definitely check us out on YouTube. Follow us there and check out uh, what it's like to go on a geocaching tour around the world with a land monkey. It's, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, please follow us there. We appreciate it. And uh, oh, I'd be remiss if I didn't do my my usual jingle that I've started doing now. So it's L-A-N-M-O-N-K-E-Y, Land Monkey on YouTube. There you go. All right. And uh, Chris of the Northwest, where do people oh, find you? I love your new audio jingle. That's, uh, <laughs> that's well done. You have your own audio trademark. Do you have one, Chris? You no, I don't. I, I, I just, Uh-oh. I don't have one. And you probably don't want to hear me sing. In fact, uh, I have a choir director who pays me to stay out of the choir, but that's a different story. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. There's no music involved. Facebook, also no music involved. And you can uh, head on over to Instagram at Caching in the Northwest. But most of all, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Caching in the Northwest. 
don't forget that you can be part of the show. Call 253-693-TFTC. Leave us a comment, ask a question, loan us some skis any time of the day or night. Of course, you can always email us at feedback at cashingnw.com. Your support helps keep quality shows coming. If you like this show, click that Patreon link right there on the cashingnw.com website and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. This show is produced by Chris Umpenauer and Jay Kennedy, hosted by Chris, Jay, and Jim Paulwitz. The show is licensed under Creative Commons Attributions 3.0 license, copyright 2018 by Chris Umpenauer. And now we ask you to stay tuned for The After Show. And folks, I think the show's going to be the after show is going to be quite short this evening because we've already gone far longer than we normally do before we even hit the after show. There you go. <laughs> oh, Brian, uh, you've been a good sport to hang in this long, man. It's my pleasure. It really is. All right. So Chris, we had, uh, we had your bear story. You want to do the short version of your bear? I'm going to do a very short version of the bear story on, uh, our honeymoon, my wife and I went up to Vancouver area. I can't remember exactly where we rented bikes. And, uh, as we were riding around some trails, you know, there was a, a little crest of a hill and I thought, I'll just ride up here and see if it's worth going this way. And I rode up to the crest of the hill and I was looking around and go, no, not a whole lot. And I hear scratching on a tree next to me and I go, well, what cute little woodland creature do we have here? And no more than four feet away. I'm looking at a black bear who's got his paw up on the uh, tree trunk. He's looking right at me. I'm like, okay. I'm going to very calmly turn my bike around. And I started riding. And and this is my brand new bride. You know, we've only been married a week. And I'm like, get on your bike and ride. And she goes, well, where are we going? Ride. (laughs) And she could tell by my facial expression and tone of voice. She just didn't ask. She wrote and we, you know, went a, a hundred yards or so and I can't stop, turn around and look. And the bear was exactly in the middle of the road where I was sniffing. So yeah, she goes, okay, I, I'll listen to you from this point on. <laughs> Good way to start the marriage. I, I earned trust with my wife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Chris, I was up in the North shore mountains, right? It's uh yeah. Just, I mean, you just said, Brian, have you had the opportunity to cash in the North Shore Mountains in Vancouver? No, I have not. Not yet. Okay. We'll have to get you up here and get you out there. But it's not every experience will be a bear experience. Well, it is bear interface country, though. And that's the thing. So, you know, a lot of uh, my caching friends and, my, and myself, we carry bear spray because um, it's, <laughs> you, but, you run into them. Land Monkey, you just used a new term I've never heard of bear interface country. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I hadn't heard that one either. Yeah. Common language here. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, Brian, we had a, a question for you from Startcatcher. He wants to know if that's mistletoe over your head. Uh, no, it's just a plant. <laughs> you there you it. go. Looks like a fern. It does. I think it is a fern. There you go. There you go, Startcatcher. There you go. Uh, and we had a comment from Iham to, uh, speaking of bear stories, uh, he said the problem with having a memorial cache member, I was suggesting that you yes, could yes, have, yes. Yeah. said have, the problem with having a memorial cache is that you're too dead to enjoy the honor. <laughs> any tor- any sort of memorial. Yeah, exactly. Just so, a little too dead. Just 
Yeah. You're mostly dead. Mostly. Uh, I knew you were going to uh, say <laughs> Somebody had to go there. Liar. Yeah. Liar. <laughs> You're just pining for the fjords. All right. Oh, goodness. Chris, do you want to take the comment? Oh, from- yes. Speaking of memorials, we have a little memorial here. And we have to say farewell to Keats 94 streak. He made it to 425 days. It's been an adventure, bittersweet to let it go, but it's taught me a lot of things about myself that I can, that will take me through life. So, you know, I have never heard anybody make that comment about ending a geocaching show. I've heard the first part before of, you know, it's bittersweet to let it go, uh, farewell to my streak, but that it's taught me a lot of things about myself that I can take with me through life is a really Brian, I think that comment from Keats about ending his geocaching streak really goes back to what you're saying about earlier in the show about the culture that you've you're trying to maintain around the game. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's a good example. There you go, Keats. So, nice work, Keats. Congratulations. Four hundred and twenty-five days is incredible to maintain a geocaching streak. Awesome. Um, we got one more question that we're going to ask and Brian, uh, I don't know if you're going to have the answer to this. So this might be one of those, let me take it back to the office questions. But, um, we have a question that is who picked out the caches for the air transat geo tour promotion? Because the, the, we understand with that promotion, the trackables were to be placed in one cache for each of the three geo tours. So that's, that's the question. Do you know offhand who happened to be the? Okay. I do not know, but you know who will know? Who's that? Uh, Jen and Jeff will know when they're on your next show. So tune in on whatever date that was and you'll get your answer. There you go. Yeah. So a couple of weeks from now. Right on. There it awesome. is. December 20th. I had to scroll back up to look myself. <laughs> I couldn't have pulled you the date, but December 20th, show 282. There we go. So we'll ask that question again. Awesome. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk with you and to, you know, not not to ask you a bunch of questions about how long you've been geocaching or you know how how the how the game started, but digging more into the business side. Um, Chris and I have been fascinated about it for a while, and we really appreciate you spending the time to to prep for those answers for that for those questions and uh, and digging into it with us. It's my pleasure, really. Thanks for uh, thanks for being curious and giving me a chance to to tell share the story. Well, Brian, we're going to end the podcast. We're going to let you go because we know you have to sit in front of a screen for another five to six hours tomorrow. So, oh yes. <laughs> so All the right. joys of that are are calling. So cool. Thank you so I'm much. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure, and thanks to everybody for for tuning into this. Thank you. And folks, until next week, get out and get caching in the Northwest.